Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. So we're doing a bonus uh, episode this evening. Okay, what were we going to do this this one? Um, fog and fairgrounds. Oh, lovely! Yeah, foggy nights and fairgrounds, and yes. and mysterious scenes. Scenes. Okay. People always say, you know, why did you end up in a band? And yes. One of the things I, I answer it with yeah. wasn't so much I wanted to be in a band. It's when the fairground came to town. And right. they, they set up all the rides, and, and, and as a little boy, I would be about eight, I suppose, something like that, and just seeing the lights and hearing the music. But that was, yeah. that was the kind of, uh, to me, it was just excitement of these uh, strangers visiting your town from somewhere else. I don't know where they came from, but it was, yeah. they were not like us. They were, they were like a different breed and... And it was like uh, an assault on the sensibilities. And I thought, that's what I could, uh, you know, run away to the fairground or run away to the circus. Right. The library was the place for me because mm. that was like the centre of my world for a, a, a time, you know, because I, I had like three library tickets I'd snaffled somehow. And I could go down there, mm. get a whole load of books. And also they, they rented out records which, you know, I didn't have the money to buy all the albums that I wanted that I coveted. I had, I had a list, I had a little notebook with a list in of like albums I wanted, like 20, 30 albums that I wanted. And gradually over about two or three years, I sort of heard them all or got them. And uh, so it was, I, I don't know, I suppose it's that sense of discovery that prompted us, well, prompted me for sure, to start a band, to want to go into doing something that was going to allow me to travel. Yeah, you know? but the thing about the the visitors were were, were they were like it, they were real. They 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 were, they were yeah physical appearance. Right. It wasn't like clicking on somebody and looking what the fur might be like. Right, it wasn't like I say. It was kind of assault on your senses. It was candy floss and toffee apples, and it was you know smelly backsides of like behind the scenes you know you could go behind the rides and you could smell the oil and and the smell of right, the, right, the fumes the and the diesel yes. and the petrol whatever it was that was powering these machines and the generators right. humming and it was all like dangerous stuff you know you wonder yeah. where all this power was coming from did uh, do, yeah. you, do you think any of that leaked into um your, the recordings or the writing any, any of that kind of imagery or uh, I think to to a greater or lesser extent, it shaped everything because it's only like you know, with most things, you know, hindsight, you know, it's twenty twenty. You know, when you're going through it, you don't think about it at all because that was your youth. That's how you lived your life. But I know, especially where where we lived, um, you know, being like a small town on the outskirts of. of of the capital hmm. there were a lot of there were a lot of sort of minor eccentrics in the town and 
add to that, you know, maybe like you say, like the fair comes to town once a year. And I lived literally about 500 yards from the park where they would set up. So I was down there investigating for the whole week they were there. You know, that they would draw in the other eccentric characters from the town because they'd all come and visit, you know. So to me, I had this sort of, I don't know, it's, it's not so much like a cultural workshop, but it's like a workshop of humanity, you know, because especially where we lived, there was, there was a lot of um, hospitals because it was out in a bit more in the countryside. So there was a lot of hospitals for people that might have, um, you know, a different view of life than, than normal the normal view of life and and so you know and they weren't they weren't like you know mass murderers or anything but there were a lot of people who were confined to you know institutions and yeah. stuff and they they would come into town on the saturday and we had a little tea shop in the town and they would all sit in the tea shop with like one cup of tea and we would interact with these people because they were there well the, fir- the to me the fairground was full of like Mass murderers, um, you know. <laughs> they were definitely yeah. the guys, you know. Yeah. You, you, you know, you stood, yeah. you, you stood closer to your mates when, like, if one of them looked at yeah. you or, or slapped one yeah. of the rides particularly hard, you know, because yeah. they were like leather jackets and ring through the yeah. ear, and yeah, yeah. It was dark. It was like you had to be old enough to be allowed to get there. Yeah, and I, I suppose it's like the next stage on was from there, you know, being as the, the licensing laws in England are a little lower than uh, America, you know, you, you could probably start to hang out in a pub at about 15 if you're, you know, most English people will tell you that's possible. So mm. um, so I think we sort of gravitated from, th- there's three three main points. You gravitated from the fair, which was the first place where it was, things were a little extraordinary a little different gravitated from that to the local pub where we could maybe sometimes there were bands playing there and and those guys also had the, the earrings and stuff so when i was 16 i went into uh, i think it was uh, local jewelers they used to pierce ears for you i had my ear pierced and I, I can always remember coming back with that and feeling like you know i had one i, I did the mistake that everybody that gets serious pierced the first time does, they take out the little stud or thing that, you know, <laughs> they put in to keep it open while it heals. And I got myself, you know, this heavy, like, um, cross or something. I think it was like a little gold cross. And I tried to put that in and, you know, it was really hard to do. And there was a lot of blood and then it pulled down on my ear and it hurt. And I had to take it out because it was getting infected. And I had to put back the, the thing that they put in, you know, but it was like, that was a rite of passage, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than anything else. Yeah. What What was your favourite ride on the fairground? Mm, yeah, I never went. I never went. I tell you what, I never went on. Yeah, was that one with the um, the, the little capsule that had was on two, uh, one end of each of a, of a big oh like girder a, that swung round and round. Yeah, yeah. Because if that twisted round, you went upside down and lost all your money. You went upside down, all your money fell out of your pockets, and, and they only had like a sort of steel cage over the top. And, and you'd throw, and if you've been to the pub under, underage, if you've been to the pub, you'd throw up over everybody. Yeah. Yeah. A bottle of cider would end up coming straight back up. And that wasn't my favourite ride, that one. And I didn't like the one where, um, where you swung around in the chairs. 
because that always seemed to me like you know even at a young age i was aware that like the chain that was holding the chairs was not really that strong you know oh you mean like do you mean ch- chairs hanging from chains like a merry-go-round yeah 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 See, I'm thinking of the, the the ones I liked that everybody screamed on was called the waltzer, which was like yeah. circular, like uh, like chairs, like not chairs, but like uh, sofas, like a steel yeah. circle that was on like a pivot at one point, and it right. spun round on its axis whilst the whole thing was turning round. So it was a lot of centrifugal force involved. Oh my gosh! Yes, and and, and the, the 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 shout was the louder you scream, the faster we go. At which point, all the girls screamed, and everything went much faster. And we were thinking, "Shut up!" <laughs> I like the uh, bumper cars, the Dodgems. Did you ever go on the Caterpillar? The Caterpillar. It's a train that went round in a circle over right. humps, and then at up some and point, a big green canvas would come over. And cover you up so you were in the dark. Oh my! You had much more exciting fares up in up in Liverpool than I did. Well, wow. See, I don't know where they came from, but from the outside, it looked like a big green caterpillar going round and round in circles. But because it was dark underneath, yeah. and all you could see yeah. was the track going around underneath you, it was pretty scary. Oh. 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 And that's why I thought I, I thought of the the caterpillar. You see, that's what I used to think oh, of right. when I heard the oh, song. Okay. Oh, that's all oh, right. Okay, and in the video we have a, like a little caterpillar. Well, it's like a, a a Chinese caterpillar going up and down and walking through. There's there's fellows come and did it for us, which was very nice. And you've got the ch- the, ch- the Chinese New Year kind of lion, yes. kind of caterpillar yes. lion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we had that. So yeah, I suppose they're all images from our childhood. If I think about it. Well, um, oh, I, I know that I know that resonates with uh, my my former partner for sure. You know, he has all those things that come in from the past um the other ride i was just thinking i really liked was the ghost train oh yeah what was what what was yours like terrifying (laughs) soon as the doors opened it was like it's that i can still hear the sound of banging through those doors you know those two little doors like you start off and you sit in the car with your mate or you know if you're a little older and perhaps you've got a girl with you you can sit next to the girl and you drive through those doors, and the second you got it was the anticipation of what the hell is behind those doors that got me every time. And, and there's always a shh, a psst, that kind of noise. Yeah, and you go through a little slow, and then you speed up, and then you spin round. They spin you round the other way, so you're facing backwards and going backwards, and it's like all in the dark. It's the um, it's the thrill of the unknown. I think that's what we're talking about here. We're we're like you know. I remember we had a song called Carousel uh, on on Peep Show, yeah. and it's full of foreground imagery. Right. And it, it even I even recorded um, somewhere in Washington D.C. There was a foreground whilst we were on tour, and I had I used to have a little microphone tucked into my lapel like a secret yeah. recording device with a Walkman, and I recorded. This kind of uh, carousel. It was a merry-go-round. It wasn't a fairground. It was just a carousel. And when we got into the recording sessions, that's where that came from. And then we actually played the tune from the one I'd recorded, enhanced wow. that a little bit, spun it round so it sounded like in stereo. Um, 
music boxes, carousels. These were kind yeah. of co common go-tos for somehow musical in influences or interludes. Well, it's, fun, it's funny how you say, if I, if I think about, about a lot of the Banshees' uh, imagery, it comes with those, those uh, stereotypes of scary mm. you know, images, you know, like, so that they're put in and, and uh, yeah, it's a very, very powerful, powerful uh, process, really. Lots, lots in the lyrics, like, yeah. like Grimm's fairy yeah. tales or um, yeah. Saltpeter, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's all the stuff that when you were a kid, you know, scared you, but it was, it was a, mostly scary good, sometimes scary bad. Like, you know, I had the, I had the monster under the bed thing you know like when i was a little boy you know i i could it was difficult going to sleep you know i'd have to look under the bed Ooh. can i tell you can 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 i can i tell you mine okay it was the i don't know if you you have these in america but um of course you might you'll remember it from your but the water in the house the hot water was either heated up behind a, the, the hot the fire the coal yes. fire or when we got or a little later on there was the electricity yeah. in the immersion heater right this is a big copper tank in a cupboard in the bathroom right but to keep it warm in winter it was lagged it was insulated right. with a big um, padded looked like an overcoat like a jacket yeah but the actual element that heated the water was stuck in at the top of this tank and it was red and it looked like a neck on a body sticking oh. out sticking out of a brown coat with a belt round it it looked like a headless body in the ta in the cupboard okay. now of course i knew it was a tank and i knew it wasn't a headless body but when i had to go upstairs on my own they say peter go and turn on the immersion heater there's a switch inside the cupboard and i'd okay. like I'd go upstairs open the bathroom door and I'm like how do I open the door so the headless man doesn't jump out and get me uh -oh. and little Peter would like open the door slide his fingers in behind in the slit not because yeah. if I could see it I'd be really scared but it was I'd put my hand in and thinking click the switch and then run back down the stairs <laughs> and I was terrified terrified yeah it's all in the head it's yeah, it's all in the head. I, I had the same thing under the bed. You know, there was something under the bed, and I, I had to hang. I had like a little ritual. I had to hang over the edge of the bed when I was going to sleep and yep. look under the bed quickly yep. to make sure it wasn't there. Yeah, but what and if then, you missed it? It was hiding when you looked. Yeah, then I had to look again. Yep. I might have to do it a few times. You know, so but I, I had, I had like a little teddy bear that I kept, and he was going to protect me. Teddy would protect me. So, you know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I look back on it, you know, we lived in the area that was, you know, had a lot of countryside and fog and, and things, you know, they weren't scary to me because I had, I had lived with them the whole time, you know, like being in a dark country road at night with fog wasn't the slightest bit scary to me, you know, like running across the meadows late at night where, where you know, there could be all kinds of things out there, but that wasn't scary to me. What was scary to me was things like you just described those mm. those those unknown little bits that people had told us a little bit about when we were kids was, but that, that, not really the, explained it, it the stories know. as well apparently there was the the ghost of a 
an old lost German officer. Always a German officer, because we were still getting told stories of the war. Right, right. You know, the Second World War. And yeah. there was a lamppost, okay, a street light. And there was a generator in the street light. That, you know, obviously, there was a dodgy connection, and it went... <laughs> but it was very distant, especially in the fog. So you knew, yeah. because, because it got brighter slightly, but this... Closer and closer, which was the motorcycle that the dead German officer was riding on. Oh, okay. And of course, if, if it was particularly loud, and it was just, and we just just start running. We used to say, legging it. <laughs> just start running past in case that night it was real. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How things, you know, they stick with you and they stick with you for your whole life. Because I, I just realised as we were talking that I've always lived always lived in a near a place that has fog or mist like near the sea I, I currently live quite close to the ocean and there's always there's always fog here late at night and stuff and yellow street lamps and you know mm. it's, it's it, i always find, i find it romantic not scary it's very melancholy but not scary and uh growing up there was always like that because england's a very damp place and so uh you know, and then for a while I lived out in the the southwest of England on, on the middle of the moors, and that's very misty. All the yeah, time. but so, see, both of those things, they like Dickens would write his. What yeah. was it? Which one was it? The one that was set on the moors, where the guys were hanging on the gibbet. Yeah, there. Well, that was <coughs> great that expectations. Was. Hounds of the Baskervilles is set on is set on dark. Oh, that's another one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the other one, Great Expectations. I think you're right. The guy swinging but, around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just thinking of a lot of the things those in certainly around London as well, because London was famous for its pea soup fog. Yeah, my mum remembers growing up with it being like really, you know, it's when before they banned coal fires because mostly it was the coal fires yeah. that were. And so London that. being in a valley and like just like St Helens yeah. where I grew up, in a valley yeah. with lots of industrial chimneys around belching right. smoke out, the air pressure kept the smoke down, so you were in thick fog, and of course yeah. that was ideal cover for the yeah. murder for the murderer, oh, for, yeah. for for old Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah, all from the East End. Yeah. Jack. Did you ever go down Tooley Street and Crucifix Lane? I didn't. Pray tell. Okay, London Hospital, just over the other side of the Thames, south okay. south bank of the Thames. We're, go, we're going towards the East End, the old East End. Right. Uh, Tooley Street was a big rehearsal situation there, a big room, big yeah. warehouse. And then there was Crucifix Lane. And all these were like synonymous with the trail of Jack the Ripper, where he would prey on women at night. Oh. And uh, the theories that, you know, who was responsible. But it was the, the, the fog was always the fog. In every of those black and white films, you know, there yeah. was, if it, came, it was the fog and then there'd be a scream. <laughs> From nowhere, and then there'd be a peep as the Bobby would blow his whistle, and they're all yeah. running off, and nobody, and then you see like a black shadow disappearing into the fog. Right, right. A tall black shadow, right? With a, oh, always, a, with a cape. Yeah. What about um, 
clowns. How scary are the clowns? Did the clowns scare you in the circus? They're not really scary, were they? Or were they? Um, I the the one they had like in England, we had like the French clowns. You know, the guy with the tall hat, Poirot. Exactly. With a pointy hat, yes. With the pointy hat. Harlequin. Harlequin. Yeah, he scared me. He scared me because he didn't look like any man that I see. I couldn't figure out whether it was a man or a woman or some other creature. You that know? was the thing about the the, the, yeah. the painted faces of the clowns. Where you were like, yeah. they they could be sad clowns, and when they yeah. when they were when they smiled, they didn't look pretty. They didn't look really friendly. They were a bit scary. Uh, yeah, that's because Stephen King played on that whole thing with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. See, in America, there was a lot more serial killers. Yeah. It was a, th- a an in- it was a thing in America. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of an institution here. Yeah, yeah but you'd um, had a lot of incidents of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It didn't happen really in England until we had somebody who was actually named to to fit in with the um, Jack the Ripper. We had somebody who was then coined the name the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh, Peter Sutcliffe. Yes. Somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's... He was active late 70s, right at the end of the 70s. These are all in Yorkshire, which is where this this guy was active, singling out women alone at night. At first thought to be... uh, people who were working pl- prostitutes who were like down on the luck or they were just had no money there was a lot of that it was pretty uh, it was pretty poor times in Britain um, but it turned out he he wasn't so particular who he preyed on there was a university student that was murdered just a few days before the tour hit Bradford and they could well have been wanting, maybe coming to the uh, the, the, the gig the first time round. I heard a story that they had a ticket for the concert, but wow. this is a little bit too like an urban myth, really. That somebody adds a detail that could be not correct. You can't prove it or disprove it? Yeah. No, because there was not. There, it, it was really that was the reason that he was able to operate for so long was that they. Uh, the, 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 there was no computers, so there was no cross-referencing going on. Uh, right. They had they had Sutcliffe in custody several times on other charges, but yeah. never up. When we got to Bradford, the police were set up in the city uh, the city centre with uh, awning marquees and things, and they were broadcasting over loudspeakers a tape recording of somebody purporting to be the killer. What to the general public? And he was taunting the. Wow. Yeah, they were playing it in case any anybody might recognise the voice, and anybody recognising this voice would have been like, like, I don't know. It was taunting the police, saying, "You're not going to get me. I'm too oh, smart I for you." That. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just people were f- so scared, just fe- so fearful. It never happened before. I remember I had uh, I had a girlfriend that was going to university somewhere in London at the time, and she lived 
south of the river. I'd like to say somewhere around Brixton, something like that. And so, you know, I would go and visit her. And then I would go and, uh, you know, like there was dorms, you know, for the for the college students. And normally everybody would just walk to the tube station and get on the tube and go into town, do whatever they have to do. But for the whole time that the Yorkshire Ripper was around, there was like, you know, uh, a sort of system whereby you could grab at least two people to go with you at any time. You know, people would go, oh, I'll walk you to the tube station so that nobody was ever, you know, left by themselves yeah, at night the, for a whole year. Yeah, the fear the fear permeated the whole country, even though the acti- his activities were really localised. Yeah. Maybe Manchester, Bradford. Yeah. Um, many victims, they, they, they suggested he could have a lot more that were not accounted for. But they, they said there's a direct link then between... He was eventually caught. He gave himself up, and I think eventually. Um, but Susie wrote a lyric, and this is what became Night Shift. Right. Wow. Because um, Sutcliffe wasn't able. Uh, one of his menial jobs was uh, a grave digger. Right. And he was always been it seems every situation he didn't fit in he was uh, taunted by his colleagues and probably because he chose to work um a night shift right he was a loner yeah and i don't know if any of the uh if you like there's, there's some of the lyrical content of night shift came from actual records or descriptions of his activities or was it susie kind of seeing where she could take the idea of of somebody working late at night who'd had access to the morgue and also to the victims. But it's it's an interesting uh, lyric and I'd never thought about until I started kind of doing a little bit of research. But she's actually writing it from the point of view of a serial killer. Right. It's not from an observer. It's first person. Right. I had an experience when I, uh, I was in my early 20s and uh, I'd moved out of home and I moved into central London. I got myself a, a flat. We all used to go down to this pub in, in uh, Maida Vale. And, um, Is that the Warrington? Yes, the Warrington. Very mm. famous old pub. And we'd go there for an evening. And, talk. and I would go with a friend of mine who worked for uh, the record company. Um, he lived in this street... And this is why this is important. He used to live in a street called Melrose Avenue. And we used to all go to the pub together. One night, you know, he would drive us around and stuff. One night we, uh, we were coming back and we pulled into his street and there was like a gazillion coppers everywhere. There was like, you know, 10 vans full of policemen, all kinds of stuff. You never, yeah, never see that in, in the street like that. So we were a little worried, you know, parked far away and walked in you know so that uh, hmm. you know we could see what was going on yeah. and the next day dennis nilson who who was a serial killer and he lived maybe a couple of houses along from where my friend lived that's why they they were all there because they had found something in the drain that night because some drain got plugged up and Oh, what was Nielsen's uh, modus operandi? What did he was he a cutter? 
Well, he used to go and meet people in the local pubs and invite them back to his house to listen to music and have another drink. And while they were listening to, um, actually, I think it was Rick Wakeman, I think they used to listen, he used to put like the Six Wives or Henry VIII on and stuff. And they'd oh, have no. the headphones on. That'd be enough, wouldn't it? That would finish yeah. most people off. <laughs> yeah. And then he would, sorry, Rick. No offence, Rick. No offence, man. He would, uh, he would uh, dispose of them at that point, you know. He would dismember them, wouldn't he? Yes, and and you know that's why they found something in the drain that didn't really belong in the drain, and that's when they thought mm, we have a situation here, and uh, and uh, so they they you know that was that was the night we arrived back with all the police. That's when they found it all. So um, so there's a little codicil to this story. So about two months later. I, I was uh, out imbibing as one did, and I'd had a, f- a few, and and I couldn't remember where my friend lived, and so I got a taxi. I'd hailed a taxi to go to his house because I thought, oh, I'll go, I'll go and see him right now, and I got in the taxi, and you know, where to, Gov, and I went, the murders. Wilsdon Green, and that's all I could say because I I knew it was there. And you know what? Cab drivers in London of the black cabs are the best in the world because that's all he needed. He got me to my destination. This is how detailed the knowledge of the taxi driver is. Yes, right. The knowledge they all have the knowledge. So which which murders would that be, sir? Which murders are you looking for? Yes, which one? Nineteen twenty-eight or nineteen (laughs) seventy-eight? Yeah, and uh, he got me there. But you know what happened? They put that uh, the. Obviously, Nilsson got convicted and put in jail or jail hospital or wherever he ended up. They could never sell that house. They they no. had to they had to knock it down completely. Yeah, yeah. Nobody the, would ever buy the, it. The, the, the stain seems to linger, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, you know, it, it's like none of this informed uh, uh, desire to 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 get away but it was always the mysteriousness of life that was attractive to me yeah it's rich rich fertile ground somehow it, it because it's the it's it, it taps into our perhaps curiosity it's yes. a, it's a, a dark place yeah which is magnetic but i've also found that if you can confront a lot of your demons in the darkness, mm. you can you can eradicate them too. Yes, and that's what I'm about. Yeah, I like the Morris Sendak approach, where the wild things yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> Those big yeah. monsters that take yes. you off at night, and you come back, and all you really want is your dinner. Yeah, exactly. And then you get back, and you go, and you go back across the little land in your little boat. And you realise your bed's waiting for you and your mum's just made you dinner. Yeah. And it's all okay. So, everybody, (laughs) dinner's ready. Or as Peter Gabriel would say, supper's ready. Yes. (laughs) It's good night from me. Yes, and it's good night from him. Good night. Good night, everybody. Everywhere. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, 
Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.